Guys, the more I, I learn God's Word, the more I study God's Word, uh, the more fascinated I am sometimes at how it applies to all areas of life. And tonight I'm, I'm very excited to share with you a lesson from God's Word about living the Lordship of Christ. Open your Bibles at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 9 will be our text. If you're looking at your Bible as I'm looking at mine, uh, that's the last page in Ephesians. And I'm not sure how your Bible might be formatted, but in my Bible, Ephesians chapter 6 is the last page in my, in my Bible in the book of Ephesians. Which means we're coming to the end of this study, of course. And you're, Pastor, where do we go from here? Well, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm 90% sure, maybe 85% sure, that we'll probably go to the book of Revelation, and we'll be talking about the end times. And so, there's lots of stuff happening in our world today, and I think that might be a good thing for us to focus on for a little bit. We won't do the entire Revelation study like we did several years ago. Um, that took two years to go through. Uh, but we'll, we will do some of it and do a portion of it, Lord willing. And that's what I'm just looking at and praying through right now. But tonight I want to talk about living the Lordship of Christ. I'll put on your notes, I'm just going to read that intro paragraph. I want you to follow along. Living under the Lordship of Jesus Christ means more than just obeying Jesus. That's an important statement right there. It's more than just obeying Jesus. Some Christians have the mistaken idea that how they treat others is inconsequential so long as they're, quote, living for Jesus. In, in Ephesians 6, Paul indicated that if our faith in Christ is real, it will prove itself in our relationships with others. This is especially true in our relationships with those who know us best, the people we live with and work with. Living the Lordship of Christ extends into our homes and into our jobs. I want you to think about that for a second. Living the Lordship of Christ ought to extend beyond the walls of the church. It ought, you should not compartmentalize your life and say, well, okay, well, that's my church life, or that's my religious life, that's my spiritual life, but, but you know, I, I got some jerks at work, and I'm just going to give them what they deserve. No. Living the Lordship of Christ extends into our homes and into our jobs. In tonight's text, Paul admonished four groups of Christians about living as Christ would have them to live. Now, just to rehearse for you, remind you where we've been. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul talked about the home. He talked about wives and, and husbands. He talked about wives, and he used that S word, submit. And he talked to husbands, and he used that S word, sacrifice. In chapter 6, Paul talks about the home as well, at least part of chapter 6. And he talks about the concept of obeying and the concept of impacting. So let's just jump into the text, read it together, and then we'll work our way through the outline tonight. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and, and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, 
doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. What does it mean to live the lordship of Christ? Well, it ought to impact the way you live at home and the way that you live at work. And so let's see how Paul outlines that for us. First on your notes, living the lordship of Christ applies to children. We just read that, verses 1 through 6, or I'm sorry, verses 1 through 3. And it's interesting that Paul begins by speaking directly to children. Now, I want you to know that's highly unusual. It's highly unusual in the writings of Paul for him to speak directly to children. Now, he did it one other time, if you want to jot down the note, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Well, I'll tell you what, let's just read that. It's not that far away. Uh, Colossians, go over to the right, two books, Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Paul says essentially the same thing in this verse that he does in Ephesians. He says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And, and so... It's interesting that Paul speaks directly to children. He didn't, tell, he didn't tell the parents. Now, parents, make sure you tell your children this. He spoke directly to the children, which is kind of interesting. How, how do you suppose that they heard this? How, how do you suppose that they knew what Paul said? Say that again. Yes. Somebody read it to them. Apparently, children were present in the assembly when the church gathered. Children were present. And imagine what it must have been like for them to just, you know, they're, they're kind of just there. You know, children sometimes are just there. And they're, they're just there. And all of a sudden, they're getting through most of the letter. They're listening, kind of listening, sort of listening, you know, as they go through the whole letter. I mean, they're kids, right? And then you get near the end of the letter, and Paul says, children. Children. Obey your parents. I imagine their little ears perked up a little bit because now the Apostle Paul was speaking directly to them. And he tells them to obey their parents. It's as if Paul were saying, now, now kids, this is something that you have to do to live out your faith. Living the Lordship of Christ applies to your life as well. There comes a time when you as a child, if you're a child of God, you have to live out your faith and not just depend on your parents' relationship with God. You have to develop that relationship for yourself. Your parents have an important role to play in your life, but so do you. So he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, the one thing that God expects every child to do, and you say, well, you know, I could have stayed home because I don't have little kids anymore. Well, I don't either. But one day, Lord willing, I'm going to have some grandkids. And... Uh, if, if I don't have grandkids, there's always your kids that need help, right? <laughs> yeah. And so th this applies to lots of people. He says the one thing that God expects you to do as a child is to obey your parents. And I'm telling you what that word obey means. It's two things. Obey means that you listen to what your parents say because they have authority over you. And you not only listen to what they say, but you do what your parents say because they have authority over you. Now, the only exception to that command, listen carefully, 
The only exception to that command is when a child is asked by a parent to do something that's unbiblical, immoral, or unethical. That's the only time that a child should have the freedom to disobey what mom and dad says. If the parent asks that child to do something unbiblical or immoral or unethical, certainly God's law would supersede the parents' rules. But why should we obey our parents? Now this, this is good. I, I want to make sure you write this down in your notes. Why should ch- children obey their parents? First of all, obedience, obedience is right. Now, two things are implied here. Children, obey your parents. First of all, he says, in the Lord. In the Lord implies that you're a Christian. You have responsibility to do what the Lord wants you to do. So he's teaching, watch this. He's teaching children, speaking to children at a young age. And he's saying to these children, listen, I want you to learn, even as a child, to do this because you're not just obeying mom and dad, you're obeying the Lord. There is a greater authority in your life than just mom and dad, and that's the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, if you could teach your children or your grandchildren that one important lesson, oh, what an important lesson that would be, that there is a greater authority in your life than mom and dad. The greatest authority is the Lord. And so he says, kids, here's obedience is right. You obey your mom and dad because you're a Christian. You're in the Lord. I think there's a practical reason for obeying mom and dad too. The practical reason is because children owe their very existence to the parents. They have more experience in life than they do. I I know kids have a hard time believing that. Do your kids ever have a hard time believing that you have more experience than them? Oh, yeah. Mark Twain, I wrote this down. Mark Twain said, when I was 14, (laughs) this is so good. He said, when I was 14, I was shocked at how dumb my father was. When I turned 24, I was amazed at how much he had learned in 10 years. (laughs) Every home, if you have children in your home, you've experienced that, haven't you? And you probably did that to your parents too, I bet. Can I confess to you? I I think I did too. Not not as bad as you, but but I did too. (laughs) Well, obedience is is right. Number two, obedience is commanded. Paul says in verse 2, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. Paul goes back to the Old Testament, citing the fifth commandment. He goes back to the Old Testament and says, Listen, this, this is something that God said long ago. This is something that was so important that God placed it in the Ten Commandments. This is essential to society. That children learn to obey their parents. And by the way, one of the reasons society is in such a mess is because in the home, they've never been trained to obey an authority. Boy, let me, I could go on about that, but let me just say this. All of us, say all of us. All of us are born with rebellious, sinful natures that manifests itself when we're young. All of us. In fact, Proverbs, I'm sorry, Psalm 51.5. Listen to what David said. He said, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Psalm 51.5. All of us are sinful at birth, rebellious. We, we, we are sinners. We're sinners by birth, and eventually we become sinners by choice. Every one of us. One of the benefits of having parents is that in the home, you learn to obey authority by obeying mom and dad. 
And by the way, parents, let me just say this. I'm not the perfect parent. I'm not the model parent by any stretch of the imagination. But parents, it is not your job to be their best friend. It is your job to be their authority. Well, I want my kids to like me. No, you want your kids to obey you. Now, I want them to like me. But I want them to obey me more. Because as they're learning authority... They're learning a very important life lesson. They are learning that they are not in charge. They are learning, as they learn to obey parents, they're learning how to obey God. I have a theory. Kids who don't learn to obey their parents have a hard time learning to obey God. If if they don't learn authority in the home, they have a hard time with authority in their their lives, that that there is someone in in charge of their lives named Jesus. So, it's very, very important that we learn this. Oh, by the way, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verse 51. Let me show you somebody who modeled this very well. Luke chapter 2, verse 51. Luke chapter 2, verse 51. This is speaking about Jesus when he was a young boy. And it says, then he, Jesus, when he was a young boy, putting in parentheses there, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was, what's the next word? Obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Jesus was obedient to them. Now, can you imagine how hard that must have been sometimes? When you are the Son of God, creator of heaven and earth, and your mom or dad tells you to do something, you think, no, they're not right. (laughs) This is one situation where he knew more than they. And even though he knew more than they did, the Bible says he was obedient to his parents. If if you've got kids, I know they're not in here tonight, but if you've got kids, listen, don't be a tyrant, but you make sure you teach your children and your teenagers, obedience. As you teach them to obey you, you are teaching them to obey God. Number, or letter C, obedience brings blessing. Obedience brings blessing. He says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. It's interesting, not the first commandment, but it is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. The fifth commandment has a promise attached to it. Just in your notes, you can write in uh, Exodus 20.12. Exodus 20.12 is the verse that Paul is quoting here. And the promise originally applied to the Jews as they were going into the promised land. And Paul applied it. He took it from from Exodus 20, and he applied it to the, to the Christians in Ephesus and ultimately applying it to our lives as well. And what is the promise? It says, well, here's the promise. Verse 3, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, what does that mean? Talk to me. What does it mean that it may go well with you and that you might enjoy long life? Talk to me. Explain it. You'll be blessed. That's good. It's a good start. You'll be blessed. Why will you be blessed? 
You might avoid discipline if you listen. Two good answers. Give me another one. We all want the best life we can have. Yeah, absolutely. The verse is not implying, I don't believe. I don't believe that that the verse is implying that if a child dies young, it's because they disobeyed. Not necessarily, I don't think that's necessarily what it's saying. But I, I believe there is a general principle here that says, if you obey mom and dad, when children obey their parents, they will probably escape sin and problems that could cost them or even shorten their lives. You know, there's an old TV show. Now, this is before my time. Some, but, but some of you are going to know this TV show. I've heard about it. I'm not sure that I've seen it. There's an old TV show called Father's, Father Knows Best. You, you remember that, don't you? Who was in that show? Who played that? Father Knows Best. All right. Father Knows Best. Sometimes that's really true. Sometimes it's really true. And... When the children decide, you know, Father knows best, I'm going to do what, what he says. It, it often keeps them from making unwise decisions. Uh, Honda motorcycles. I saw Steve back there, it just flipped into my mind. Honda mo- motorcycle has a great slogan that says, stupid hurts. <laughs> stupid hurts. You know, you know, when children obey their parents, they... Uh, they avoid the stupid decisions that would hurt them. That's, that's what he's saying there. All right? Now, so he talks to children, but there's one other thing that God expects children to do as a child or as a teenager and beyond. He says in verse 2, in verse 1 he says, obey your parents. In verse 2, what does he say to do? Honor them. Obeying and honoring are different. Obey means to do what they say. Honor means, write this down, honor means to respect and love them. Respect and love. That's what honor means. So he says, children, you need to obey your parents, but you also need to honor them. You need to respect and love them. I I honor my parents as the ones who gave me life. How do you honor your parents? Well, I can honor my parents as the one who gave me life. I honor my parents as the one who protected me and provided for me. I honor my parents because they taught me and they sacrificed for me. I bet you had a mama like I did. I bet you had a mama that sacrificed for you. I bet you had a mama that did without so that you could have things you wanted or needed. You know, I... When I was in college, this goes back a little ways, but when I was in college, I would go to my little mailbox, and I'd, I'd open it up, and, and there would often be a letter from my mama there and a $20 bill in it. What I didn't know then, but I do know now, is what she gave up to send me that $20 bill. What I didn't know then that I do know now is how little they had financially. And I often just took it for granted that I opened my mailbox and there was a $20 bill. You honor your parents. Because many times you have no idea the sacrifices they've made. 
But most of all, now not everybody can do this, but most of all, I honor my parents because they raised me in a home where they introduced me to Jesus. You see, we obey our parents while we're under their care. Put this in your notes. I think there's a place in your notes. We obey our parents while we are under their care. We honor our parents for life. You know, this was not planned. It just happened. I didn't do this because I knew I was teaching this. Uh, In fact, I, I, I promise you, Uh, Friday, I I did not have this in mind when I was in the hospital room with my brother Larry. We had not been there very long at all. In the ICU, the nurse was very kind and allowed us to come back as soon as we got there. And and Larry was there laying in the bed, not in good shape at all. Tube down his throat, pumping blood out of his stomach, uh, just in bad shape. But the nurse was, was explaining to Dave and I what they were doing. It was just me, Dave, and Larry. Uh, Larry's wife had not gotten there yet. She had to drive from, from Tennessee, and we actually beat her there. So it was just deep, me, Dave, and Larry. And the nurse was just kind of talking to us as he was working on Larry, and I'm sure just trying to make conversation to ease the moment a little bit. And he found out that Larry was a preacher, and he was kind of fascinated by that. Wasn't even sure exactly what all a preacher did or how you became a preacher and he was just kind of talking as he worked and and then he found out that Dave was a preacher and that that just kind of fascinated him and and then he found out that I was a preacher and and you could tell that he didn't have any religious background because he said something like uh how do y'all do that and he just couldn't relate to it he was trying to to liken it to uh an internship or something like in nursing or something and and he, he was just clueless. But before we knew it, we were telling this nurse about our mom and dad. While Larry was laying on the bed in critical condition, Larry was, as he could talk, as best he could talk with that tube, and Dave and I were telling him, because he, he said something, what everybody says, was your dad a preacher? Everybody asked me that. If I had a dollar for every time I had heard that, was your dad a preacher? Was he a pastor? And I don't remember who said it first, but we said, no, it's just a godly man. Just a godly man, godly, godly mother. And in that hospital room, all three of us, we were just honoring our mom and our dad. Just wasn't planned. It just was natural. That's the way it ought to be. You ought to honor your mom and dad like that. You said, oh, well, I know, I know, but time out. I didn't have the kind of parents you had. I get that. And I, I can't relate to that because all I know is what I grew up with. But if you did not have the kind of parents that I had, here's what I would say to you. Out of respect for God, respect them. Out of respect for God, respect them. Whatever that means for you. All right? Whatever that means for you. If you don't agree with their lifestyle, if, if there were some things there that, that they did against you or to you, as best you can, out of respect for God, respect them. 
when you do that, you'll not only be honoring them, you'll be honoring your Lord. So, living the Lordship of Christ applies to children. But he also tells us, beginning in verse 4, that living the Lordship of Christ applies to fathers. He says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. A young minister who is about to be ordained stated at his ordination that at one time in his life, one period in his life, he was nearly an infidel. He was nearly an atheist. But he said, and I quote, but there was one argument in favor of Christianity which I could never refute, the consistent conduct of my father. Gentlemen, if that were your son or daughter, would your consistent conduct convince them that Christ and Christianity are real? I mean, they see you go to church. That's easy. That's evident. But do they see you live for Christ? There's a huge difference between church attendance and real Christianity. Church attendance is a habit. Christianity is a lifestyle. Do they see you live for Christ? I think there's a place on your notes for this. A a father's example is one of the most powerful influences in a child's life. A friend of Abraham Lincoln shared his disappointment over the kind of life his son was living. And Lincoln said, well, there is just one way to bring up a child in the way he should go. He said, well, there is just one way to bring up a child in the way he should go. And that is, travel that way yourself. This verse shows us what we should do and what we should not do as fathers. He tells us, first of all, what we should not do. He says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. The King James Version says, fathers, uh, provoke not your children to wrath. The Living Bible says, don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. The New Living Translation says, don't make your children angry by the way you treat them. I love the way that the Bible is a balanced book. Children are to obey their parents, yes. But God also gives a word to the parents. Don't be overbearing with your children. You want your children to obey you, yes. But be a father, not a foreman. Be a mentor, not a master. Be a teacher, not a tyrant. Parents, if you abuse your role as leaders of the home by constantly criticizing and constantly nagging and dominating, you may cause your children to rebel against your authority and to reject your influence. Let's be honest, though. Being a good parent is a struggle, isn't it? Man, it's a struggle. Someone said the problem with being a parent is by the time you're experienced, you're unemployed. That is, by the time you get the hang of it, they move out. So he tells us what not to do. He says, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Don't, don't nag them and criticize them and make them angry. And then he tells us what we should do. Verse 4, the second half of verse 4. He said, instead, instead of being the domineering tyrant, trying to insist that they obey you, instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I love that. 
Instead of, just, instead of this being this dominating tyrant, said, you will obey me. He says, no, 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 don't do that. Instead, bring them up in the instruction and the training of the Lord. Instead of saying, you will obey me, say, son, I want you to learn to obey Jesus. Daughter, I want you to learn to obey the Lord. So bring them up in the nurture and the admonition, the instruction of the Lord. Now, I know, dads, I'm not trying to give you a, a guilt trip by any stretch of the imagination. But the words bring them up imply that you're helping them to experience what you have experienced. There's a place on your notes there. The words bring them up imply that you're helping them to experience what you have experienced. Guys, can I just put it to you very frankly? Your children, you can't make disciples of your children unless you're a disciple too. Your children will never follow your advice unless they can follow your, your example. Everyone who studies the field of behavior tells us that children need adult models. They need someone they can look up to, somebody they can imitate, somebody they can learn from, somebody they can follow as their example. Are you showing your kids the right example? Not perfectly. But what are they learning from you? What are they learning from you? I don't want this just to be a night where I'm bragging on my parents, but it's such an obvious thing for me to say. In my Discover Mount Airy class, and I think we have some folks here who was in that class, our last one, last Sunday night. In the Discover Mount Airy class, the last thing that we do is take an optional tour of the facilities. And I take them around because they need to know where the baptistry is. They need to know where the offices are. They need to know where the choir room is. They need to know where the prayer room is. They, they need to know where everything is in the church. And so we take this, this tour uh, it's the last thing that we do. And then the, the tour always ends in my office. That's the last stop because that's where the Pepsi machine is. But the tour literally stops in my office. And most of the time, if I, if I remember it, most of the time I do. Most of the time, the last thing I do, after we talk about all the Pepsis in my office and all that kind of stuff, then I get a black and white photo from behind my desk and I show it to him. And it's my dad sitting in a lawn chair, reading his Bible. And I often say something like this, I am who I am today because of this. I am who I am today because I saw as a teenager my dad reading his Bible, not just occasionally, but every day reading his Bible. And when it was warm, he was outside in the yard after work reading his Bible. Every day. As a 17-year-old boy, I secretly, he didn't know I was doing it, I secretly snapped a picture of him. And I developed it and I put it in this cheap Walmart frame and, and it stuck to the glass. And I can't get it out now, I'm going to ruin the picture. I'd love to put it in a nice frame, I, but it is what it is. You couldn't give me $1,000 for that picture right now. Well, you could give it to me, but you wouldn't get the picture. <laughs> Here's what I'm trying to say with all of that. 
Kids need somebody they can look up to. Kids need somebody they can imitate. What better person to imitate than you, Dad? Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Keep pointing them to Jesus. Let them see your relationship to Jesus. Keep pointing them to Jesus. Number three, living the Lordship of Christ applies also to workers or employees. This is where it's going to hit lots of us. Living the Lordship of Christ applies to workers or employees. Now, Paul says something. You're going to have to read it very carefully. In chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, he says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. The Bible does not address the issue of slavery the way we would want it to. Paul did not spend his time trying to abolish slavery. Instead, Paul spent his time because it was, it was such a domin, dominant thing throughout the Roman Empire and the entire world. Paul spent his time, instead of trying to abolish slavery, he spent his time trying to build up the slaves so they'd be better Christians. Trying to share the gospel and, and train and teach the slaves how to live for Christ in the midst of a very difficult time. And Paul says, listen, living the Lordship of Christ not only applies to fathers and to children, living the Lord, this is amazing, living the Lordship of Christ also applies even to you who are slaves. It's kind of fascinating to think about that. You would think that, well, well okay, well, maybe the one person that's exempt will be the slaves, you know, but because, I mean, they're under such oppression and they're so mistreated and, and all, maybe they're exempt from their attitude. Maybe they are exempt from the way they respond. Maybe, maybe they're exempt and they can use the different kind of language. Maybe, maybe they're exempt from, from the, the law of love. And Paul says, oh, no. No, you see, living the Lordship of Christ, you cannot contain it to little compartments. Living the Lordship of Christ applies to everyone, even... If you're a slave, no matter who you are, if you're a Christian, then you need to live like Jesus is Lord. And so he talks to the slaves. And again, kind of like the children, I imagine their ears picked up. When they read this letter in the church, first the children said, oh, Paul said something to me. But then when he talked to slaves, wow. Wow. You say, okay, well, well, Keith, we don't have, you know, well, in certain parts of the world they have slavery today, but here in Powdersville, you know, that's not a really big issue. Well, I believe that we can apply this to the work, the the employer-employee relationship because look what he says in verse 7. I think this verse would indicate this would apply to everyone. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. I'm going to talk to you about how to be a good employee. And some of you say, hey, pastor, would you come over to my business and you kind of help my, <laughs> teach this to my employees? Let me give you an example of what a bad employee is. Can I start there? Now, I looked this up to verify the facts because when I first read it, I thought that can't be true. But I actually looked this up. You can Google it on your own if you'd like to. It is absolutely true. And it goes back a while. The date is 19... 96. In the summer of 1996, 
the summer of 1996, the Pennsylvania Department of Transportation had some explaining to do. Walter Bortree, if you want to look it up, Walter Bortree was the spokesman for the department, and he admitted that some of his workers did some sloppy work when they were paving one of the roads. (laughs) This is a quote. Bortree told the press, and I quote, Yes, the operator should have seen the deer, and yes, it should have been removed. You know what they did? They paved over the deer. So, (laughs) do you think we ought to move it? Nah, come on. (laughs) And then, (laughs) can you imagine driving down the road? (laughs) What is that speed bump doing here? (laughs) It's kind of the shape of a deer. They actually paved over a deer, at least part of it. Half of it was on the side of the ro- off the side of the road, and half of it was on the road, and they paved over that half. I hope that those workers were not Christians. You know why? They should have known better. That's not the kind of work you do as a child of God. That's exactly what Paul is talking about here. Uh, I'm going to have to hurry. I, I've gotten called up in some things. I, will you listen fast? Let me, let me catch up. Slaves, workers, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart just as you would obey Christ. L- let me help you fill out the blanks here. Let's, let's move through this pretty quickly. Living the Lordship of Christ applies to workers or to, or to employees. In verse 5, Paul says, be conscientious in your work. Be conscientious in your work. Underline two phrases that may help you grab hold of this verse. He says, obey your earthly masters. Then he says, just as you would obey Christ. You say, well, Pastor, you know, I I would do that if my boss treated me better. I'd do that if I didn't work in such a sorry organization. I'd do that if, 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 you know, I got paid more. They gave me a decent salary. May I remind you? May I remind you that Paul was writing to slaves? They certainly didn't have a good working environment. They certainly didn't get paid a good salary. And yet Paul said to slaves, I'm going to stand up on this. Paul said to slaves, the lordship of Jesus Christ should impact the way you do your job. The Bible says, obey your earthly masters just like you would obey Christ. Let me give you some scriptures right now. We don't have time to, to look at them. 1 Peter 2, 18 through 20. 1 Peter 2, 18 through 20. Colossians 3, 22 through 25. 1 Timothy 6, 1 through 2. And Titus 2, verses 9 through 10. That will give you something good to look up. Uh, for your study later on. You might find it difficult to like your boss. You might find it even more difficult to respect him. But that doesn't mean that you should not be conscientious in the work that you do. Because, he said, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. B, on your outline, be dedicated in your work. Be dedicated. Verse 6. He says, obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, 
but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. One boss quietly went into the factory one day and he saw his employees goofing off, one of his employees, and he yelled out, Johnson, why aren't you working? And he said, because I didn't see you coming. (laughs) A Christian that only works when his boss is watching is not living under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You're not living the way the Lord wants you to live. I want to tell you something. The Lord is always watching, whether the boss is or not. See, be wholehearted in your work. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. It's not easy to go to work sometimes, especially on Monday morning. Not easy to go to work, especially... When, when it's a difficult place or it's a disappointing or the drudgery of the job is getting to you. But the Bible says, just work wholeheartedly as if you were working for the Lord, not for men. Um, let me go on to number four and we're going to close it up. Living the Lordship of Christ also applies to bosses. He says in verse 9, verse 9 he says, And masters, or in today's time, we would say bosses. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Living the lordship of Christ applies to bosses. Let me give you three things, and we'll close. A, bosses should live like Christians. Bosses should, that is assuming you are a Christian. Here, here's one thing that I have heard. Maybe you've heard this before too. When my boss claims to be a Christian, but he sure doesn't live like one. Hey, bosses, your employees should never say that. They may not always agree with you. They may not always support everything you do. But they ought to know and realize, my boss is a man of God or a woman of God. My boss is a Christian and they live like it. Uh, B on your outline, bosses should not treat their employees in a demeaning manner. He says, do not threaten them since you know that, that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism. Uh, don't, don't, don't treat them in a demeaning manner. And see, bosses should remember that Jesus is the ultimate boss. He talks about their masters and yours is in heaven. We are all under the authority. If, if Jesus is Lord... We are all under the authority. We might not be the employee. We might be the employer. We might be the boss of the company. But there's another boss over us if Jesus is Lord. Amen? Let's pray together. God, uh, your word is so applicable and talks to so many different areas of our lives. I want to thank you for that. Thank you for this living word that is active. This living word that directs us and helps us in all aspects of our lives. And may we live under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, doing what we do, not for men, but for you. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.